you know, people, especially like my mom, um, want to know, like, you know, what is it now that keeps you from going back there? And the answer for me is that I'm just happy now. I was not happy before that. Um, it's sort of hard to see how miserable you are sometimes, like when you're inside of it. But like looking back at it, I realized just how like isolated and miserable I was all the time. And like my life is the exact opposite of that now. So um, I don't want to go back to that. I have no, no desire. Chill Track Friday. Hi. Uh, I'm Ali. <laughs> I'm Anne. What's going on today? Uh, it's hot. It's hot. It's in the evening. There's no coffee, but there is La Croix and blueberries. Mm-hmm. It's a refreshing snack. Yeah. Uh, you asked me a question today. It was like a joke. We were thinking of questions we could ask our guests, and one of your questions was, um, what is something that you believe but nobody agrees with you on? <laughs> and my quick answer to that was how much I love the heat and humidity. <laughs> <laughs> Not many people agree with that. I think you do. I do. I do agree with that, actually. Yep. But it does make running hard. Yeah, absolutely. I was talking to someone else, someone that how I actually like heat and humidity, but I did admit that I, you know, I'm not, I know I'm not going to run my best times in it. Yeah. I'm not trying to say that, but I just do feel, I just do like feeling loose and limber that comes with the heat and humidity. I never have, I hardly ever have injuries during summertime. Most of my niggles and everything, even major, has come through during the winter. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. And I like being able to wake up really early and it's light and just roll out of bed and yeah. not have to wear five layers. Yeah, that's true. That's um, true. So. So this is going to be a hundred mile episode today. It's going to go on forever. <laughs> it's an ultra episode. Yes. <laughs> Because of our guest. I'm excited. Yeah, I know. This is um, a guest who's going to give us a glimpse into a whole other side of running that I'm not very familiar with, so I can't wait to hear stories. Yeah. I um, thought I was familiar with, but then I realized the levels he was running at, and I was like, no, it's okay. I don't yeah. I don't think I know anything. <laughs> I know. And, like, you know, so much of what we talk about is the journey, so it will be interesting to hear our guest's journey from starting Ultras to then, like, going to the next one and doing another one and um so i think without further ado <laughs> mm-hmm. uh let's introduce our guest john tasher welcome to the podcast john welcome john Hi. yeah thanks are you comfortable i'm comfortable okay um good. i think we're experiencing the heat and humidity of summer yeah <laughs> the ac and, off to and as the podcast go you know we're like we can't have background noise so we turn off the ac and now we're like well yeah, we've got like a 10 minute time limit before we need to take a break. <laughs> it's like back in the day when I lived in New York and didn't have an AC. Yeah. Um, I also lived here without an AC for <laughs> years. It's amazing to think that it's possible. On like the fourth or fifth floor of a walk up. Oh so oh. that was like your early days of training for ultras. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Climbing the stairs in the heat. Yeah. Suffering. So my walk-up apartment, yeah. um, you walked in, and you're in the kitchen, and there's a counter, and you lifted up the counter, and there was a hook to keep it lifted, and underneath was the bathtub, <laughs> and that was the only place in the apartment to bathe. 
it's a and dangerous that, shower because the countertop was blocking you from standing. So you had to. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> it had one sink, which was the kitchen sink where you shaved and you brushed your teeth. Yeah. And yeah, it had a little fascinating. So <laughs> you you gotta have a story about this. But once upon a time, I was in this bathtub, and the hook went loose. <laughs> or something. And a bunch of carrots fell on me. <laughs> yeah. Trapped under the counter in the bathtub. What for... part of town was this? This was in the West Village. Oh. I was going to guess the East Village. <laughs> How long did you live there? Just, um, that was just less than a year. Maybe like six months. Did you have roommates? I had one roommate, yeah. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> we just had to say, I'm going to take a bath and <laughs> stay in your room for a bit. one of our best intros so far i'm so <laughs> glad that's so funny. Yeah. but there's so many funny tiny new york city apartment stories oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. my this sister one. lived in my sister jennifer lived in one where if you sat on the floor you could actually if you put your legs out you could touch the other or you could be in a different like the other bedroom from her bedroom <laughs> wow she had a lot of space yeah very spacious very spacious so, you know, we're not good with transition materials. We hear you just ran a 100-miler recently. Well, the race was 100 miles. I was signed up for 100 miles. I didn't run 100 miles. So what happened? Can you walk us through? Yeah, so 100 miles has been the goal for a long time. I really want to get there. Um, Wait, I just wanted to clarify. This was the Great New York 100-miler yes. slash 100 kilometers. So yes. you could choose which distance. Yeah, so if you're signed up for the 100-miler, you can stop at 100K which is really cruel, I think, because it's very, very tempting. Right. Um, but the, I did not have the ability to continue. Um, I think I put in the training. I think I had 100 miles in me if everything had gone well that day. Um, but I stupidly hurt myself a couple weeks before trying to run fast. Um, and it was really hot. I. I think I may have overhydrated. That's my theory right now, which apparently is pretty common. It seems to be more common than underhydrating. Um, and that can cause your feet to swell. Uh, the reason I think that's what happened is because I ended up with some terrible blisters that made walking and running like excruciating. Mm. Um, and this was wearing shoes that I trained in. So I have to imagine something different happened with my feet. Swelling is one possibility. It was also really hot. Like I was just dripping sweat into my shoes all day. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know. Yeah. Where, where was this? What was the course? So it's a giant loop of New York City. It starts and ends in Times Square. It goes up to the Bronx. It passes right by here where we're recording. Uh, it goes through Van Cortlandt Park. Um, then it goes east across the Bronx. It gets pretty much up to Pelham. You run into Pelham Bay Park. Um, and it goes out to Queens, you over the, the Triborough, you go to Randall's Island over the Triborough to Queens, out to Bayside. Um, but it's a one, it's just one loop. One loop. One, one giant hundred mile, hundred mile loop. loop yeah. So where does, where does the hundred K cutoff come in? Uh, that was somewhere in Queens, Forest Hills. Okay. Wow. That's mega. And for how long before you stopped, were you contemplating stopping? Well, there's a 16 hour cutoff at the 100k mark where you can't continue if you don't get it 
And at some point, probably around mile 50, I realized I wasn't going to make it. So I sort of stopped trying. Um, and then when I got there around 17 hours, the guy said to me, so you going to go on? And I was like, I thought I had to stop. And he said, no, you can go. Uh, but at that point, I just physically couldn't do it. Yeah, I mean, if you have blisters, then you can't walk. Yeah, the thought of walking 38 more miles on those blisters was brutal. How were you the next day? Um, walking was tough for, actually, that night and getting home was really tough. I couldn't walk. Um, I think I paid $100 for an Uber, and it was worth every penny. Um, the next day, I ended up walking like 20,000 steps, like a lot of walking the next day, because uh, I just bandaged up the blisters, and they were okay. So what I learned is I did not deal with them properly. Um, I've been reading a lot about blister prevention and care, and hopefully next time mm -hmm. I'll handle the blisters a little better. That's a learning experience that you couldn't have anticipated, especially if you're wearing everything that you were normally Yeah, like I just used those shoes in a 55-mile race about four weeks before, um, and I ended up with a couple small blisters, but nothing major like I had that day. And I had those blisters by like mile 20. What was it like from a race logistics perspective? I mean, because Ali and I are more used to like big city races and ones where there's lots of amenities and the whole city's out there. I mean, you were just kind of doing this run embedded into just the, the New York day. So what was that like? How many people were with you? And, or so running the race? I think there were 150 people in the race, 100 doing the, the 100 miler and 50 doing 100K. Um, I don't know how many started, but I think that was the cap. Mm -hmm. And um, they had aid stations every five miles, but all they guaranteed at the aid stations was water, I think. Mm -hmm. But all the aid station volunteers brought out a ton of other stuff. Wow. Uh, so there was plenty at the aid stations. Uh, and also, like, you're in New York City. There's We passed a million Dwayne Reeds and Bodegas and... I got a Slurpee at 7-Eleven at one point. That was amazing. Uh, and then on top of all of that, I had a, a crew here helping. So I had uh, two friends come from Pittsburgh, and three came from Boston, and then a fourth came to run with me. Mm -hmm. She signed up for the race also. Um, so the two of us, we had like five crew helping out. Um, that included people meeting us at the aid stations with things that we may have needed and also pacers. That's what I find fascinating and incredible about once you get into the ultra distances, it's not, it becomes a team, yeah. right? If you talk about the 100 miles and then people who even attempt like the Great Path in Vermont, I think it's 280 miles up and down and then it gets even longer than that. It becomes this whole thing about a team that has to work with you and kind of help you bring bring you over the cross line. I find that so fascinating and so amazing and kind of a unifying experience of running where people kind of invest into into your success in a way that usually if you're you know running a 5k or a 10k it's not you don't you kind of don't need that um but that that's really appealing to me in some ways like how that it's how so that brings people together and most of those are people who are experienced in ultras and understand what you're trying to do and what you're going through i just find it like so touching that they're willing to like take time out of their lives and travel 
spend money to get here and just like to, to help out. And I think it's amazing that they do it. Speaking of all the runners helping you out, can you tell us a little bit about the community of the ultra runners? Yeah, so um, I'm on a team of ultra runners um, called PR or ER. What uh, does that mean? You know, like... Oh, oh. Per- <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I was like, what? PR, ER, it's a little... Uh, we'll take it out. <laughs> oh, no, no, that's too funny to take out. Keep going, John. Um, yeah, we actually came together through the internet. Um cool people all over the country and now all over the world. I don't know how many of us there are, maybe like 40, 50. Um, but yeah, like 2017, everybody got together for our first like big group event, and that was um, Eagle Up Ultra in Ohio. And and from there, it's like really grown into something pretty amazing. I mean, I've made a lot of like really good, really close friends through that group. Um, the people who came here and paced and crewed for me are all on that team and I've gone out and paced and crewed for other people and um, I will again in the future. Um, yeah, so it's, you know, the running community in general is great. Um, you don't, like, generally everyone is really nice and inclusive and friendly um, and ultra running, I think, especially, which is something where you really need team support, um, you get even more of that. Can you talk a little bit about all the friends you have made within at, at New York Roadrunners group training? Yeah, I mean, my um, I started out doing the East River Track Group, I think, two summers ago. And at the time, that was a pretty small group. Uh, it's grown. It's much bigger now. Um, but uh, Coach Dana was, was working there. And Trina, of course, but Dana um, also does a Central Park group, and she kind of talked me into trying that one. And you know, Central Park is much larger, um, and you know, there's already like a a core group of people, you guys, in, as part of that, um, who you know train together outside of group training, and you know, race together and get coffee after the workouts, and uh, I just sort of became a part of that. Um, and it's really, you know, it's great to have a national team of ultra runners, and it's also great to have like a local community of people to train with every day. And made a lot of friends through it. And you also spearheaded uh, creating a team. Yeah. So New York Road Runners has, you know, these team competition um, component to races, which I didn't even know about uh, really. I didn't know how it worked. I just knew that teams existed, and I wasn't really sure why or what they were for. And we had sort of like talked about starting a team and joked about it and then one day I was like why not do it uh so I just like sent an email to New York Roadrunners and they said all you got to do is like answer these eight questions and you have a team so I sent back the email with the answers and uh we were up on the website and I think I think last time I checked there was like high 50s or low 60 members um now we say it's you know it's GTRC group training run club but it's also open to like friends and family of people who do group training you don't have to do group training to join I think it grew so quickly because there's just a lot of unaffiliated people who don't know how teams work um, or felt like they were too slow to be on a team or not competitive enough and I think honestly most teams are happy to have anybody join um, but also like we just make it clear that people of any age speed 
ability level of experience or welcome. Um, yeah, I mean, we don't do a whole lot <laughs> besides exist, but uh, it's nice to have. Well, you guys have a pretty good training schedule Tuesdays, Thursdays, from what I hear, and a really good yeah, head coach. Yeah, good head coach. <laughs> <laughs> and all the others. <laughs> That's wonderful. It's such a beautiful thing. I yeah. think that, as you said, in like 10 years, it's going to be like beating the athletic club. <laughs> <laughs> we'll take them on. I think right now there's like different... Um, I don't know, like divisions of clubs, and I think we're in the in the lowest one. But mostly that's because we have not focused on like scoring, and I think we do we do absolutely have athletes who are capable of scoring in in their age group. And I think we need to be a little smarter about fielding good teams for races, and just think about that a little in advance. Because right now it's sort of just like people run what they want to run, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I think we have the potential to be a little more competitive if we ever wanted to put that effort in. And I'm not sure that we do. But, do you guys have team meetings? Mm, no, just like the, the Facebook Board group chat. That <laughs> <laughs> I just got around to making a, a Facebook group for it. So may, maybe something will, will come of that. It's nice like building the community. Yeah. It's nice. I mean, we talk so much on the podcast about how much we benefit from the community so it's mm -hmm. nice to give back and now you're a coach too and kind of heading this team it's really cool can we take you back <laughs> before i mean because you have this wonderful uh little trajectory of going from greater distances to greater distances which i definitely want to talk about but maybe can you give us a little background on how you even got into running yeah um prior to fall of 2016 i had never run ever like I think in high school I had to do that presidential physical fitness challenge and I walked the mile. Not only that, like I smoked for 17 years, pack a day smoker since like age 15, 16, um, and never did anything athletic. Like there was no high school or college sports, which, you know, you hear a lot of people who like start running later in life also like were athletic in their teenage and 20s, um, but I had none of that. And I never thought of myself as athletic or as an athlete. Like, it just was not part of my identity. Um, I sort of rejected that entirely, in fact. And my identity was not to be an athlete <laughs> as much as possible. Um, and yeah, I mean, obviously something changed. Uh, part of it was like throughout my 20s, especially in my late 20s, I really started gaining weight. Um, I had never been overweight like in high school and college, um, probably just because I had an unhealthy lifestyle that, um, you know, I skipped a lot of meals and stuff like that. But, um, you know, that starts to catch up with you in your late 20s and your metabolism changes and mm -hmm. uh, the, the casual uh, unhealthiness that works. Uh, stops working and by the time I was like 32 I was probably 300 pounds or so so that was accompanied by you know a lot of other poor lifestyle choices mm -hmm. um, and at that point at age 32 I had really reached the point where I was gonna die if something didn't change um, so I didn't have a choice it was like change or die um, 
and fortunately, I chose to change. Um, and yeah, that happened June 13th, 2015. That's sort of the day um, the trajectory started being upward again in my life. Yeah, and I started losing weight. I didn't start running for another year and a half, but that first year or so um, was mostly about eating better and going to the gym and strength training. I started seeing a trainer. And I would go to the gym and you know he would say, run on the treadmill and warm up. And I would get on the treadmill and I would hate every second of it. I'd have a stitch in my side and I'd be like coughing and seeing spots. And I just like, it's like this is not fun. Um, but I don't remember what the exact impetus was, but sometime in like late summer, early fall of 2016, I decided to go run outside. Um, so I live in Midtown East and I went over to First Avenue and I went north. And at that point I could run maybe 20 or 30 seconds at a time. Uh, and I think I made it probably about half a mile. I found uh, the, the East River Path by the Queensboro. And I made it about half a mile and I found a bench there. And I sat down on the bench and I said, okay, this is perfect. I can run to this bench and I can take a break and then I can run home and it'll be about a mile. And I thought that would be my uh, routine. And it was for like a couple of weeks, but I think, you know, as both of you know, you start to, um, get better really fast. If you make running a habit, uh, if you're on a couple of times a week, the improvements and the gains come really quickly. Um, and all of a sudden I found I was able to keep going. So I just started going north on that path and eventually I was like getting to the end of it after a couple months. I think that's like a five mile run or something. Um, at that time I was going to a gym near Penn Station or yeah, near Madison Square Garden. So I walked by it one day and I saw a big sign for the New York Rangers 5K. I was like, oh, that'd be fun. I should sign up for that. That was before, that was, I think that race was like November 2016, probably around Thanksgiving. Uh, and it was up in Westchester where I grew up. So I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'll sign up. And I ran that 5K and it was fun. Uh, I'm still to this day convinced the course was short uh, <laughs> because I did it in like, 27 something which I don't think I'd ever run nine minute miles before um, and I don't think that could be an accurate time but that was the official time uh, yeah I think that same day I signed up for like a 10k or a half marathon and then just sort of escalated from there well it escalated all right <laughs> <laughs> that is so powerful wow so I think January of 2016, I ran the New York City Runs Half Marathon in Central Park. And at that time, I had never run more than like nine miles, I think, maybe 10 miles. Uh, and that was really tough. It was like seven degrees out, and Central Park is not an easy course. And uh, But I got through it, and it was fun. Wow, that requires a lot of hope. That's really beautiful. It does. So, yeah, I'm kind of like, what should be my next question here? Because I have like so many. But can I take you back to June 13th for a second? Just like there are so many elements when that kind of a trajectory shift takes place. Right. It's like it's so I don't even know what the word is. Right. Monumental shift in your life 
um, you immediately know that date it's kind of set for you and I, I want to know usually when something like that happens there are other people involved in in like moving you like that date becoming significant for you and saying okay this is it we're changing that do you did you have anyone that inspired you to change or was it a series of people or anything you can talk about or or you know what happened on that day the reason i know the date that's um my sobriety date mm -hmm. um i think a lot of people who i know here know i don't drink um it's because drinking and the other things that for me went along with it led to some really bad decision making um a lot of other things besides alcohol that was the main problem for me um and yeah that day i actually i ended up in the hospital uh and it was sort of like i said change or die like it was not going to go well for me if i didn't change something so that was sort of the the breaking point for me Wow. I'm so happy for you. Yeah, I'm I'm much happier now. Yeah, yeah you look so happy. Yeah, I like, you know, people, especially like my mom, um, want to know like, you know, what is it now that keeps you from going back there? And I, the answer for me is that I'm just happy now. I was not happy before that. Um, it's sort of hard to see how miserable you are sometimes, like when you're inside of it. But like looking back at it, I realized just how like isolated and miserable I was all the time. And like my life is the exact opposite of that now. So um, I don't want to go back to that. I have no, no desire. Good for you. We feel so honored and privileged to have you in our lives and, and just have you share this. Um, speaking of that, I think, you know, parts of the story are alluding to an answer to the question I'm going to ask anyway. But... Ever since I've I've kind of known you, I haven't known you a long time, but ever since I've known you, you you've had an attraction to the ultra distance, mm -hmm. um, and I and I know hundred miles the goal, but I have a feeling it's not going to stop there. What attracts you to that distance right now? You just finished a hundred k, which is massive, by the way. So that's that's incredible. But just in in general, the essence of it. I don't have a good answer to that. Um... You get asked it, you know, fairly often, like, why? Why do you want to do these things? I think there's a few parts. I mean, one is, like, my personality type, obviously. I'm, like, a if one is good, ten is better kind of person. <laughs> uh, and, you know, ultras have that. Part of it is just, like, I seem to really like extreme things and challenging, difficult, and, like, punishing things. I think part of it is um, it's almost like shocking. Like people don't, they can't comprehend the idea of like 100 miles or 100K or running for 17 hours or something. And um, I guess there's something about that that I like. Um, also, uh, I really like to eat. <laughs> I like to eat a lot. Um, and running high mileage and running ultras lets you do that um, in a pretty significant way I have a question um, just c could you give us a little bit of a sensory experience of what it's like to be like 18 hours or 18 miles into per, for instance your two-day the jackpot 
24-hour race that you did uh, in Nevada. I know that you st- it was two back-to-back days of racing. Can you just... No, that, that was... Oh. Those are two different races, I oh, think. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jackpot was a 24-hour. So that was one race that goes on for 24 hours. Okay. And that was sort of my first... I'd call it a pseudo attempt at 100 miles because mm-hmm. I didn't think I could do 100 miles in 24 hours. But I had some friends who were also attempting that, and I thought, I'll just go out at that pace and hang on as long as I can. Uh, and it turns out I couldn't do it. But um, that was like my 100K PR, um, which was much faster than the one I just did uh, in New York. But yeah, being that, it, it becomes very surreal. Like, when I look back at those moments during the race, they seem like dreamlike or surreal. And I also think part of that is dehydration and nutrition. Like your brain is not working as well as it should. Um, Sometimes that you find like simple tasks become really hard and just like tying your shoe or like filling your water bottle. It's like these, your motor skills are not there. Um, But yeah, your brain really shuts off. Um, You kind of go numb, I think. and it's, it takes a long time to reach that point. And I think maybe you get that with a marathon, maybe. But I also feel like the, the pace and like the energy of a marathon are kind of the opposite. You're like amped up for a marathon and you're kind of exhilarated and excited. And the ultras are exciting, but because you're not running at that pace, it's just, I don't know, it's a different experience. What's it like to be observing that this is happening? Is it scary to um, your own kind of shutting down? I haven't done it in like the middle of the woods by myself or anything. So <laughs> <laughs> it almost sounds like I'm talking about a drug experience or something. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know if everybody experiences it that way. Uh-huh. And I do think that dehydration plays a role in that for me especially like if I get dehydrated my brain stops working at 100% and it's hard to stay hydrated to hydrate properly as I learned recently like you know under hydration and over hydration can be problems and you got to find that sweet spot yeah I guess you know I've never felt like I'm in danger or anything doing it uh most of the ultras that I've done are on short looped courses and that also like contributes to this like monotony of going around and around and your brain just kind of shuts off you don't have to navigate you have to think about where the turns are and it's a totally different experience than like the New York City one where you have to watch for an arrow painted on the ground like every 15 feet and uh, if you miss a turn you got to open up your map and figure out where you went wrong um just to add to the challenge. <laughs> but when you are going in circles, like you can really just shut off. I have to add to that a little bit from my 60K experience. Yeah, please. Because <laughs> speaking of like going in a circle, but the ability, the way, like what happens to the brain. I just, I just remember this one thing. Anne was supposed to meet me with two loops. I was running the 60K, which is nine loops of Central Park, and Anne was going to meet me for the last two loops. And I after my sixth loop I couldn't figure I couldn't do nine minus 6.5 to come up with the fact that there are two and a half loops left I knew I had done six and a half but I could not figure out 
did that mean I had two and a half to go? No, wait, one and a half? No, three? I was like, and I just could not. Yeah, and and being a math major, it really it was like even more. It was a little bit more annoying to be like, wait. But then I remembered that I was relatively on pace for what I had wanted to do. So I had given you a given Anne a specific time range of where I was gonna be. So I looked at my like the time on the clock, and I was like, oh, okay, that actually gives me a better idea of where I am than just forget the nine minus six point five because that's becoming a little brain can't handle just that simplest of tasks right yeah, now. Yeah, I remember because you were spot on with the meetup time, and I remember when I saw you, you were very confused as to why I was there. <laughs> I did the, the, the first 24-hour I did last year. Um, a friend of mine was going for 100 miles, and he ended up getting it. But I think around mile 18, I ran into him on the course, and he came up to me, and he said, I have 18 miles to go and six hours left. What pace do I need? And I was like, dude, I cannot help you with this. <laughs> Way too much. <laughs> Just like, like pretend he's not there. Just not even like look at him. Like, you didn't hear him. Like just ignore. Um, well, while you've been doing and training for these longer distance races, is I we've also noticed that your shorter distances have gotten pretty quick. Um, didn't you PR last year in the half, right? And I PR'd like, again. Well, again. this year I set a new half PR in the New York City half. And that was totally unexpected. Like, I wasn't planning on racing that. Um, and I ran, like, 16 miles the day before or something. And I just, I don't know. It's like one of those days where you have it in you. And that's also how I felt in the 10K a couple months ago. Um, also not planning to race. And I feel like, like, looking back on that, it seems like those days when I take the pressure off myself and it's not a race day, I seem to do much better. That's a good lesson. It's true. And also, I mean, a 10K must seem so short. It doesn't seem short when you're running at your, like, threshold. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I'm glad to hear you say that. So especially in, in Central Park, that will, that will kind of show you what your threshold is like going up and down those hills. So I actually feel like that race for me is like an out-of-body experience. I'm not convinced that I did not turn at 102nd by accident because I don't feel like I'm capable. I Like the day before and the day after, I felt like I could not run that time. So I don't know what happened on that day. That's pretty cool. It's the fighter in you. And that's also like the one of I a reason I forgot to mention about why I got into ultras. I felt like I'm not fast. I'll never be fast. So I might as well go far. That's cool. Um, and you're doing both. Yeah, I mean, I'm much faster than I was, uh, you know, compared to. New York City runners, I'm still mid to back of the pack, but um, I'm very happy with the the progress. Yeah, I mean, you just ran, you just PR'd in the mile. That um, <laughs> on Global Running Day. No, that was not a PR either. It wasn't. It no, was like a couple, couple seconds, seconds off. Yeah. <laughs> Sub seven. So you've had a lot of you've been making all these running memories um, since your since your transformation. In all of those, what's your favorite running memory? That's tough. I mean, New York City Marathon is so much fun. Um, well, I think it might be the first time I ran the 60K the first year. Uh, 
or maybe the 10K that I was just talking about, uh, which seems counterintuitive because it's shorter. Um, but those are both like the first time I did the 60K in 2017, I had never run more than 23 miles uh, at once. So my first marathon was during the 60K. Um, and I also went into that with no idea if I'd be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had a lot of fun. It was really fun. The 10K um, also was just so much fun because it was something I wasn't expecting to be able to do. And it like it surprised me. Uh, and as I was running it, I was like, this is actually going to happen. And especially like by the time I got to like the fifth mile and I was looking at the watch and I was like, I still have, you know, I'm not, I didn't go out too fast. I still have gas. Um, and actually we had done the week before thousand meter repeats in the park. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I knew like my time for a tough kilometer. And then I got to the nine K sign and I was like looking at the watch and I was like, I know exactly what's yeah, left. And it was almost the same kilometer we had done in repeats. Uh, and it just felt so good to see that sign. And I was like, I actually did this. That's awesome. Yeah. And you know the translation, so valuable. I was gonna ask you about, you went to Vassar College. Mm-hmm. What did you study at Vassar? I studied cognitive science. Oh, wow. Do you apply uh, any of that to your running? No, I don't think so. <laughs> and the reason is, um, I don't think I learned very much. <laughs> I wasn't very focused on uh, academics at the time. That's right. And I kind of was scraping by. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I graduated, but it was a, a near thing. <laughs> it's a good school. Yeah, I mean, I had fun. And definitely some interesting stuff that I learned. I shouldn't, you know, shortchange myself yeah. too much, but... I think there is a lot of really interesting psychology in running, um, especially at the ultra distance. Like, it becomes very much a mental thing in addition to physical. And I don't think I know as much as I could on that subject, but I've you know read a little bit about it. And there's some podcasts I've listened to that that kind of take a deep dive into that. Yeah, I think uh, you know there are definitely strategies, like mental strategies, and I know even. Um, there's like activities and tasks you can do that strengthen the part of the brain that's responsible for overcoming the desire to stop. So all that stuff I find interesting. Do you do you have any go-to mantras or pep talks for yourself when you're in that, you know, mile thirty-five? Sure. <laughs> I think I that's think early in a hundred miler. It's a third of the race. Two thirds. I can't of the... do math. <laughs> It's probably not a good thing, but I'm like enormously motivated by pride and like stubbornness. So like if I go out and like say this is what I'm going to do, I'm like so determined to do it after that. It's like why I made that like Facebook post for going for 100 miles, but um, I didn't have much of an option there. But But you have really good humility in the way that you talked about it afterwards and just admitting that you had to stop and you know there isn't really anything to prove it was for yourself and you Mm -hmm. knew the point where you had to stop and I think that that's a really beautiful thing to admit and also be an example of and show to people yeah I'm still determined to get to 100 miles and I I will I don't think I'm going to try again this year but sometime next year do you have a race in mind not yet maybe the same one 
come back for revenge or maybe I'll find an easier one. No, okay. I was just going to say we have some fun questions for him. Oh, yeah. Should we just dive into those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Wait, well, what do you do? I'm a software engineer. You're a software engineer. Yeah. Okay. So what profession other than, wait, other than software engineer would you like to attempt if you had the chance? It's like anything you could do. It would be great to find a way to make a living like with running or athletics or something that had me outside more and in I don't dislike what I do but I feel like I could be more like excited about something that was both a passion and a job but yeah that's cool all right room desk car and running clothes what do you clean first ah the answer is not running clothes (laughs) 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 there's just too much laundry in running um yeah, never ending. <laughs> and, uh, I don't have a car, although when I did, it was not always that clean. My desk is a mess. My apartment, I keep it. It ebbs and flows. All right, so we'll go with the room. <laughs> we'll go through. At this moment, my apartment's very clean and neat. Um, I like the thoughtful consideration of your answer. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have a favorite cereal? Favorite cereal. I really liked the Oreos, the Oreo O cereal that was like in the 90s. I don't know if they even make it anymore. I don't eat much cereal these days. Okay. All right. If you had one superpower, what would it be? <sighs> I would like to be able to teleport. Not so I can cheat in races, oh, but... <laughs> <laughs> Mostly... Disclaimer. <laughs> No, just like traveling. I like to travel, but it's very time consuming. It would be great to be able yeah. to get where I want to go I'm with you on that one. quickly. <laughs> okay. Tell us something that's true that almost nobody agrees with you on. Running ultras is fun. <laughs> that's the easiest. Yes. No. Okay. Um, do we get to Or hear? anyone can run an ultra? <laughs> yeah, that, that that does sound like... Is he giving training tips to right now? <laughs> if you can run a marathon, you can run an ultra. You usually do, because if you don't run the tangents right, it's already an ultra. <laughs> right, Nobody's anything over 26.2 is an ultra. Yeah, yeah I just took the RCA course, and the, when he got to the, the ultra section, he said, who here has warmed up for a marathon? He <laughs> <laughs> said, so you run an ultra. Was it with Randy? Yeah, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to make this training tip tip ultra specific if you have one training tip for our runners who might be interested in ultra running what would what would it be from you i say be okay with running slow all the time like you're gonna get slower you're gonna lose speed um speed work is still important and like helpful for ultras because you know the the faster your top gear is the faster your your slowest gear is gonna be too but your miles should be the bulk of your miles should be slow even more so than like marathon training um but i had another tip that was not ultra related that mm-hmm. this is one i had sort of thought of before which was the one thing i wish i'd known when i started running which is if you're out of breath you're going too fast mm-hmm. no matter how slow it means you run you should like for a new runner there are times in running when you should be out of breath but for a new runner who's trying to get started you should never be out of breath 
It's optimized for time spent running, not for distance. I have one more question for you. Yeah. Have you gone back to the bench and sat there? <laughs> or visited it? It's a momentous bench. No, um, I don't think so. I mean, I'm sure you know which one it is, which is when you go on the East River Drive going north from the Queensboro. You go through like that narrow part where you get really close to the highway, and then right after that, there's some benches, yeah. and that's that's the one. I know exactly where that is. Well, maybe we can make a pilgrimage. I was yeah. gonna say maybe maybe there's a trip, a running trip down to the bench. We could have coffee on the bench. Yeah, the bench. We record something from there for our chill trap. John giving listeners. training tips. I know. Wow, John, thank you so much for sharing so much with us. Yes, it's great. It's Thank really. So I can't wait to see what like all the things that are ahead of you when you're running and just everything. Yeah, I'm excited for lots of lots more PRs. I hope. I think yeah. I. We're excited for you. We will have to have you back on. Well, yeah, yeah, John's running Berlin, so. All right. We'll have him on. After. I've been saying I, I now have to cut mileage to train for a marathon, <laughs> which is <laughs> crazy statement. A yeah. <laughs> Actually speaking, we're, we're talking about cutting mileage. So when you were training for the hundred, where where did you peak? Ninety three. Ninety three for the week. I okay. was aiming to do a hundred that week, um, and I went out to do the last sixteen, I think, and then at like ten or eleven, I had some pain, so I just okay shut it down. Are you uh, are you doing doubles during that? I'm sure. Yeah, and that's actually one of the reasons. There's a lot of reasons I wanted to transition into coaching, but like. It pushes me to do doubles, uh, to like work out in the morning and yeah. coach at night. Uh, it prevents me from like being lazy and not doing it. How long do you taper for a hundred mile race? Uh, you probably don't need a huge taper. Like, <laughs> if you the know. taper is gonna make or break the race, like you're something's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, That's how much I know about ultra If you're a guy or a woman who's gonna win the race, like the 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 winners this year did, like the 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 winner did, like I think sixteen ten, and the second place was first female, and she did like sixteen forty. Wow. I mean, I'm sure for an effort like that, you need a taper, and they're probably doing a lot more speed work. Um, but for somebody like me, I, I don't think it. <laughs> But like a week or two at lower okay. mileage is, is good. Right, because you don't want to like tip over into sluggish land. Yeah. Yeah. I was like totally rookie, just a joke, and like I had no clue about running. I was like, oh, okay, so when you're running, like when you're training for like an ultra or 100 miles, so you do 10K repeats for a speed run. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a 10K repeats basically your tempo run, I guess. I was like, if I do 6 by 10K, that's a 60K, isn't it? <laughs> John, thank you so much for joining us. This thank was so, so yeah. nice to have you on. Thanks. And I appreciate it. Thanks for giving us the time. Yeah. All right, listeners. Thank you so much. See you in two weeks. See you in two weeks. We out. Peace.